0: It's such a strange thing to try and get your head around because I tend to say like it's totally disruptive. You can't concentrate because you know that you have lived this exact moment before and this exact set of circumstances have occurred before and it's like not a familiarity but a like I have literally been living in this moment before. And I, I think it's, it's such an interesting phenomenon because people don't talk about it. They don't ever talk about what it's like for them and they don't ever, you know, ask people how do they experience it and they, and they don't talk about how often it happens to them or, like, why it happens sometimes and not other times. And it's just one of these crazy, awesome things that happens in our brains that we don't talk about for some reason. Like, it's not interesting or too personal or... Everyone just assumes everyone gets it the same, but they definitely don't. Um, my name is Bethany Patch, and I live in Melbourne and edit books. The research study was, actually came after my psych degree, and uh, the reason I was studying psych was just because the human mind is just like such a fascinating place and what we're capable of without us even realising. It's amazing. Yeah, the the research study came afterwards. So I finished my honours um, in something totally different, public health, and then uh, met this woman at a pub, and she was saying, "Oh, I'm I'm um, a psych research assistant or research supervisor, and I need an assistant." And I was like, "Oh, that's perfect because I've just finished my psych degree, and I'm looking for like part time work." Blah blah blah. So she was doing a study at the time on um, the point of a like teenager's life that schizophrenia would start to present because it comes on at like, like you're technically born with it, but then it it reveals itself, sort of manifests when you're like 14, 15. And so part of that um, study was um, an MRI test. Um, so basically we ran like a battery of psychological tests on each of these participants. final the part was an MRI test so that they can like just take a bunch of images of their brain so that we can match them against how the brain was responding to the stimuli in the battery of tests. So, yeah, when I started um, working for her, she kind of said, look, before you go and be the research assistant and conduct these tests on people, do you want to be a participant first? Because that means you've got a better understanding of what they're going through. Out of courtesy, if we find anything, we'll let you know, but, you know, it's usually fine. I went in for the MRI and they were like, oh, um, so we'll put you through. It's not a functional MRI, so we're not testing what's happening to you and your brain or anything like that. You just play some music and we just, we'll just, you know, it takes about 15 minutes or something. You're just in there. So I went in, had the scan. It's weird. It's like a, like a loud buzzing capsule. And when I came out, so before you leave, they have someone just like quickly check them to make sure everything's fine because they've got to let you know within 24 hours the uh, doctor that came in to check the scans was like, oh, we found something, but we don't know what it is, um, but we will let you know within 24 hours. That's when I was like, I am legitimately scared now. Oh, my God, I might have a tumour. Like, I have something in my brain that's not supposed to be there. And what it looked like was like a white, really bright white dot, like right in the middle of my brain. Um, like sort of the middle back of my brain where the two hemispheres meet and they were like you know yeah we'll we'll need to let you know pretty soon because the corpus callosum which is what that area is called is like pretty important in your daily functioning so we'll let you know what do I do and he's like you know no 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 just go home and we'll call you in 24 we'll call you within 24 hours and let you know I was like okay I've got to wait 24 hours before I know whether I've got like a mass in my brain that's going to kill me basically I was just like oh my god Probably knowing more about the brain, it didn't make me more scared or more calm, but it made me more knowledgeable of like the effect that that could possibly have. When it's inside the parts of the brain, that's when you're messing with like, you know, emotion and like, inhibitions and memories and these things that, like, you take for granted, and yeah. But I because I couldn't feel anything, at this point I didn't know what effects it was having on me at all. And I was like, oh, I, I thought I would have had, like, you know, I thought I would have been able to feel the effects of something like that if it was causing, if it was a problem. Um, but I was still like, holy shit. I remember thinking... I remember like, you know when you've got something that you're worrying about and you can't bring it to a point of resolution so you just roll the same thought over again and again in your mind? I remember thinking like, what if it's something really bad and I didn't even know about it yesterday? And then just rolling that thought around and around. So like, tomorrow I could have cancer and yesterday I didn't even know about it. So your reasoning sort of like, Tomorrow, I could have cancer, but yesterday, I didn't have cancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went into the appointment without cancer, and I came out with cancer. But I just tried not to think about it. Did you tell anyone? I went home and told mum, like, oh, they're going to let me know. And she was like, okay. She's super calm. She's very chill. She's like, that's okay. Yeah, we'll just wait for 24 hours. And I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah, we'll just wait for for 24 hours. No problem. (laughs) What if I'm dead? (laughs) (laughs) Did you? because if that was me I would immediately assume it was one of those things that like an aneurysm in your brain that was just gonna like go off at any time yeah because the brain's such a weird area of the body where you don't feel the effects straight away you're often like it's often like a ticking bomb type situation not like a you know a laceration or something where it's like obvious what's gonna happen yeah and so I was like that it was a nerve-wracking 24 hours because it was like yeah it's a ticking bomb and it It could take however long, like it could be about to explode or not at all or like, I don't know. He gave the results to my research supervisor, the one that was conducting the survey, because she knew me and, you know, Um, And she said, oh, um, let's talk about what they found. I think knowing about the brain just from, and I I didn't know that much about it. Like I knew sort of the neural anatomy of the brain just from my psych degree. But um, it's only really preliminary stuff that we were taught. But I think knowing that it was the corpus callosum, because they told me in the like of that spot, that's your corpus callosum. That's where that that you know mass is and I was like okay that's like because I knew I was like okay I know that my personality is in my frontal lobe I know that my like emotions are you know and I know that the memory that memory is transferred through the corpus callosum so if there's a problem that's going to be it's going to be like a memory related problem and she's like also did you get do you get really bad deja vu and I was like no I don't know what's bad think they i think they would have known about how it was might have affected me throughout my life because they asked such leading questions about my deja vu at that point. So, when they told me what it was I'm trying to remember now exactly what they said, but I can't. But I, they were like, "So, it's a lipoma, which is not dangerous." Um they can occur all over the body, you have one in your corpus callosum, it's basically a fatty sinkhole, like a fat deposit area. He said, um, it's in your corpus callosum, did you have headaches when you were really little? And I was like, yeah, I used to go to the like school nurse with migraines all the time when it, between the ages of like f- five and seven or whatever and he was like yeah that would have been around the same around this time that it developed so he obviously knew a bit about them at that point like what at what stage in my life they might have developed and then what effect they might have had on me physically in terms of the headaches and then he said do you get really bad deja vu so he must it, it must be a common he must have known about the physiology of déjà vu to have asked me that question. Um, and I guess that, that kind of thing is on their mind a lot when they're looking at you know, the neurology of the brain where a- any interruption is going to potentially have quite loud effects on a like personal level on the way that you experience the world. Mm. But I remember him... Yeah, I just remember... The the thing I remember the most about the interaction is him saying, do you get deja vu very often? And me thinking, that's such a weird question. I don't think so. Maybe like five times a day? And so trying to recall how many times I'd had it that day, for example, or the day before. And their response was just, you know, had doctors are like, you know, they might have like, they're trying to hold the concern off their face or whatever, he kind of was just like, okay, that's a lot. It had never occurred to me to tell someone that I had deja vu six times a day for, like, minutes at a time. (laughs) And, And it's kind of one of those, like, well, what else am I not telling people about that's, like, completely abnormal? She's like, all right, that's quite a lot. Um, I don't think that's a normal amount of deja vu, but that the corpus callosum would be able to explain that because that's where your memory is being transferred from short to long-term memory. And so I kind of probed her for more because I was like, what does deja vu have to do with it? And she said, well, deja vu is when your brain takes information into your right hemisphere and is trying to switch it over into long-term memory, but it gets jammed. So you feel as though you have lived at this moment long in the past which you kind of have five seconds prior, or like four, like a split second prior to that. And so it's jigging between short term and long term memory. So it makes you feel like you're, you've lived this moment before, which technically you have, but only like one second prior. Which I kind of knew already that that's what happened in there, but had never thought about deja vu in that way. Like never put two and two together, that's what was happening. The older I get, the more people I talk to that haven't ha- ever had it and they don't know what it's like. Can you tell us about a time that it was really disruptive? Um, yeah, so around the time that I found out about, about it, I was getting in heaps. For some reason, those two events coincided. And that was 2012. And... When I moved to Melbourne in 2013, I was still getting it all the time, and I f- I kind of realized I started to kind of now that I knew what it was, I started to piece together like what affects it and what makes it worse and what what eases it off. And I realized that like when I'm tired, I get it. I would get it way way more. Um, and then yeah, I remember I was working in a cafe, and one of my friends that worked, there, live. Um, he said, um, you know he could tell that i wasn't that i was just, would just look at him and fade off he just said when you get it if it gets really bad just go and stand out the back like you obviously can't cuz i would just like not be able to concentrate go out the back and so yeah i remember around that time i would like be like washing a cup. I would have my hands in the warm water and I would have the cup in one hand and the sponge in the other. And I would turn the cup and the sponge to wash the cup and knew as I was turning it again, that I would, that I had done this, that exact specific turn once before. And not just like, you know, I'd been washing the cup for a while, but like that I'd, that this, this second had happened before. And I would like, hold the cup and the sponge in my hand and just be like, and could hear sounds in the kitchen and totally knew they were going to happen and could hear, like, the song that was playing and this this exact, I have been here before, I can't think about anything else. so, like, loud, it's such a loud fog. And Liv would often go, like, go and stand out the back for a bit. He would see me stop, he would see me stop and would say, go on. And so I'm like and I, as i'm putting stuff down i knew i was going to do gonna that do. as i'm walking out the back i'm like i know everything that everything that everyone's saying i've like, oh my god and then i would open the back door and by the time i got out the back door i'd be like and okay and then it, may, it would maybe last like a couple more seconds and then it would fade out Yeah, I think um, trying to figure out how the brain works is like kind of two-fold sword for me to a double-edged sword because with like my psych undergrad degree, that was like what it was all about was trying to figure out how to measure and like, you know, quantitatively how all the, the inner workings of your brain work. But when it comes to deja vu and things like that, it totally feels like magic. And it's like this, mm, it's kind of like humbling that there's something about your brain and the way your brain works that you have absolutely no idea how it works. Like, for example, dreams. Like, I think if people, but people talk about their dreams so much in a way that makes it seem like they want to know what they mean. But then once you start talking about it, it's like this, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. Isn't it amazing that you dream in color or not? Like, that my dad only dreams in black and white. I just think that's amazing. Like, why does he do that? Um, but if someone was to be like, well, I can actually explain to you chemically exactly why he dreams in color or dreams in black and white, it'd be like, oh, well, I kind of want to just, like, guess at it and, like, discuss it and try and sort it out try and crack it like a problem. Rather than have someone be like, well, this is exactly how it works. And it's weird how people don't talk about deja vu more considering how much they talk about their other brain stuff. Like they talk about people want to know, yeah, like how their dreams work or like the way that their memories are stored. Or like I'm sure you guys have had conversations where, I'm sure everyone's had a conversation where they talk about, you know, how you think you store information in your mind. Like I've had conversations where it's like, oh, mine's more like a filing cabinet or mine's more like a, you know, a door with a waterfall on the other side and you just take the information and then you throw it through the door and that's the last time you hear about it and you can never get it back again. Take, you know, the way we measure biology, for example, or, like, the physical world. We have these constructs that we have created that we've put in place that are, like, centimetres or, like, you know, electrons or whatever. And the physical world doesn't adhere... Nature doesn't adhere to any sort of construct like that. It's... It is its own entity. It doesn't measure itself and isn't measure... Wouldn't consider itself measurable. But we need to measure everything so we've got these... You know, quantities we apply to it. And so, and I think that way about the human psyche as well, where we can try our best to try and measure it and try and figure out how it all works, but maybe there's something that's beyond us that we won't be able to measure. And then, so when someone's like, well, in your corpus callosum, that's where your deja vu occurs. And so if you have a clog in your corpus callosum then deja vu was getting stuck I found it so fascinating I was like oh my god I can't believe it's something so simple like that, that explains everyone's deja vu but it was like because that explains everyone's deja vu then it's not exciting anymore it's not like it's not a magic thing you know you know the trick you know how you know how he did it This episode of Boarding Shortly was produced by Chloe Smith and Bede McKenna. All the music and sound production was done by Jack Palmer. Many thanks, Jack. We'd also like to thank Beth Patch for her patience with us as we stumbled around in the dark. If you'd like to get in touch, please do. You can send us an email to producers at boardingshortly.com or you can leave us a message on the Boarding Shortly Burner. That's 0475-850-951. I'm not sure that this would have anything to do with it, but my brother and I used to practice lucid dreaming all the time. And I could like, change the plot a bit. My brother's crazy good at it. It's weird. How do you do it? He had how the same, it? he learned how to do it because he had the same dream over and over for like two weeks to the point where it was like starting to ruin his life. It was the same dream, but with different endings. And he would try something different every time. And that's how he started, that's how he realized he could do it. And then he started practicing a bit. And I I realized that I could do it when I was really little. I had a recurring nightmare. I would have been like four or something or five. And mum said like, just bring me in and I'll like save you. And it was like some witch chasing me through the woods or something stupid. I brought, I could bring things in and I like brought mum in and she was just killed instantly. <laughs> <I'm> like, Great. <laughs>